Planned Parenthood. How bloodthirsty and racist is this organization? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. I hope you had a great weekend. It is Monday again, and I'm thrilled to be back on the air with you. Just wish I had more time every day to spend on the air with you. It's my joy. It's my privilege. It's my honor to serve as your voice of moral clarity and spiritual sanity, or moral sanity and spiritual clarity, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown, thank you. For joining us. All right, here's the number to call. It can relate to what we're talking about today Planned Parenthood, abortion, their policies, who they really are. It can relate to big topics in the news about racism and the president and the so called squad. You can weigh in with that. Or if you differ with me on any subject under the sun that I've spoken of here on the air and you want to take up that difference with me, Phone lines are open, 866-348-7884. Or if you have a question of any kind, Bible, theology, completely unrelated to the subjects at hand, I'll be taking calls as well. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Planned Parenthood, when you have an organization that has made billions of dollars through the killing of the unborn, you can rightly say it's a bloodthirsty organization. When you couple that with the fact that there is a disproportionate amount of abortions among blacks and Hispanics, and that Planned Parenthood plays right into those demographics, you can say that Planned Parenthood is racist even though in their mind they're helping poor and they're helping minorities and they're helping others, when you help them by helping them kill their babies, you are hurting them, not helping them. So what can we learn now about Planned Parenthood through some recent developments? If you missed the story last week, the current president of Planned Parenthood is uh, uh, followed after Cecile Richards, who was there for a dozen years. The present president and Planned Parenthood was a medical doctor, Leanna Wen, and she was fired last week. And you could tell she was not happy with the way things went down, even tweeting out that she was dismissed after a secret meeting. Now, what do we know in terms of the details? Well, she's a medical doctor. And wanted a greater emphasis just on health care in general. Yes, she stood for, quote, reproductive rights, meaning the right to abort baby. If you ever had something wrongly titled, it's that. Reproductive rights are the right to have babies, not to abort them. But she certainly was a champion of the abortion movement, but perhaps not dramatically enough, not bloodthirsty enough in terms of her attitude she also wanted them to nuance some language they used here and there, certain social issues they were dealing with, with the hope of, of not alienating certain people. Whatever the details were, we know that she was ousted 
my cultural commentating friend in Australia, Bill Muhlenberg, an American who's lived in Australia for decades, is one of the nation's leading cultural commentators. Here's what he posted in an article called Planned Parenthood's Proud Passion Baby Killing. Uh, he, he gave this suggestion. He said what, what they're really saying is, is this, okay? You are not bloodthirsty enough. You are not meeting your quotas. More babies must die. That is the mindset of Planned Parenthood. They're after blood and money. That is their core business. That is why they exist. And then he suggested that the want ad for a replacement for Dr. Wen should say something like this. Want it. An experienced baby killer who has no qualms about taking human life nor about selling body parts of babies to others for profit. It is preferred that you resonate with past such ministries such as the Nazi extermination camps. Having no heart and no conscience is also essential. Those who think that the vulnerable and defenseless should be our priority need not apply. Now, obviously, he's stating things in rhetorical terms to make a point. But if, in fact, Dr. Wen was fired because as a medical doctor, she was not quite heartless and ruthless enough when it came to making abortion priority, how much rhetoric or hyperbole is there in Bill Muhlenberg's description? Uh, Let me take this further still. Consider this. We know that Planned Parenthood made money on selling baby parts, right? They've been exposed on that as much as they tried to deny it. And we also know that that they have been pushing their programs from day one in, in poor areas. There's a disproportionate number of abortion clinics in poor parts of cities and things like that. They say it's humanitarian. Others say, no, no, this goes back to Margaret Sanger's racist past. This goes back to her being into eugenics. All right. So what exactly was eugenics? Time magazine had an article a few years back what Margaret Sanger really said about eugenics and race. And while defending her against certain charges, they said this. Sanger did make some deeply disturbing statements in support of eugenics, the now discredited movement to improve the overall health and fitness of humankind through selective breeding. Let me reread that. The now discredited movement to improve the overall health and fitness of humankind through selective breeding. She did, and very publicly. In a 1921 article, she wrote that the most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the overfertility of the mentally and physically defective. True on that. The most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the overfertility of the mentally and physically defective. And who, pray tell, may that have been? Now, Time Magazine said, no, no, she, she actually... Uh, uniformly repudiated the racist exploitation of eugenics principles. That's what they said. They defended her of charges against charges of racism. And they said, no, that's not who she was. Things were taken out of context. I've quoted her at different times from the past. And, and people have challenged me on the quotes. I've gone back to the sources and felt that they were in context. But here's what's fascinating. 
Snopes.com is an alleged fact-finding website. In other words, is it true or not? Did this person really say this? Did this really happen? Now, the reason I say alleged is on the one hand, that's what they do. But it was discovered what, a couple of years ago that they are heavily left-leaning and, and involved in leftist causes. Is it a couple that, that runs the site? Is that who it is, if I remember? In, in any case, uh, there is a bias in what they are presenting. So they're supposed to be a fact-check website when they have their own biases built in. It's not just like a, a dispassionate umpire who calls them as he sees them. So here's what's fascinating. Snopes.com has an article, all right? And uh, in the article, they answer the question, did Margaret Sanger decry Slavs and Jews as human weeds? Did she refer to people like that or others would say blacks or other minorities as human weeds? And their verdict is false. She did not say this. But they uncover this article from the New York Times 1923 by Margaret Sanger. They said, well, this is the closest we found. Here's what she she wrote. 1923, birth control is not contraception indiscriminately and thoughtlessly practiced. And then they put this in bold. These were her, uh, the emphasis on Snopes.com. It means, so birth control means the release and cultivation of the better racial elements in our society and the gradual suppression, elimination, an eventual extirpation of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. This is the leftist website, Snopes.com, defending Margaret Sanger against charges of racism by pulling out probably the worst racist quote attributed to her that I've ever seen. And they have a link to the article, and I went on to the timeline on New York Times and found the actual article, the actual text from 1923. Yeah, remarkably. But, but tell you what, let's not debate the past. Past is clear enough. That quote stands for itself. Get rid of those weeds, the defective stock, so that the finer elements of humanity can flourish. Absolute racism in harmony with Nazi eugenics and other Deadly racial theories of the day. All right. But what about Planned Parenthood's tweet last week? Look look at what they tweeted out last week. Black women are sexy and sexual entities, independent of anyone else's ideas of what that means. For hashtag summer of sex, our partnership with Where Your Voice, Gloria Allenroot talks about creating space for black girls Understand their sexuality. Yeah, let this be the summer of sex for black women who are sexy and sexual entities. Planned Parenthood tweeted that. Here's what I tweeted in response, because what they tweeted is absolutely sick. This is unreal. Planned Parenthood is urging black women to have more sex, which for this greedy baby-killing organization can mean only one thing. More pregnancies, leading to more abortions, leading to more money. Sick. And then a black Catholic woman, in response to my tweet, tweeted out her feelings. This idea that black women are sexual beasts, a.k.a. sluts, is so racist. Uh, Bound for Life, pro-life organization, strong prayer ministry and pro-life organization, has updates on statistics about abortions 
in black and Hispanic communities. And, and look, at, look at what it says, all right? Black, non-Hispanic women have the highest abortion ratio. Black women's abortion ratio has reached 444 abortions per 1,000 live births, almost one out of every two babies born, uh, conceived by a black woman, is aborted in the womb. While non-Hispanic white women's abortion ratio is 124 abortions per 1,000 live births. This is a black genocide. This is an attack on the African-American community. And here's Planned Parenthood saying to black women, hey, you're sexual being summer of sex. Have more sex. Yeah, have more pregnancies. Yeah, and abort more babies. This is bloodthirsty. This is racist. No other spin to put on All right, friends, we return. I'll go to the phones, and i got a bunch of other things to talk about. 866-348-7884. Now's a good time to call and get in. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Queen Jezebel was an incredibly evil and demonically controlled woman. She lived 3,000 years ago, but the same demonic force that operated through her back then, it's operating again, the spirit of Jezebel here in America. She intimidated by fear. She silenced the prophets. She killed the prophets. And we see that same silencing of the prophetic voice here in America. People dare not speak up and speak out. People dare not confront sin. Pastors are afraid to speak out against controversial issues. It is that same emasculating spirit of Jezebel that takes away authority, that takes away the right to speak, that intimidates by fear, And there must be a rising up of the prophetic voice that will say no to Jezebel in our day. This is Dr. Michael Brown. To get your copy of my new book, Jezebel's War with America, go to Jezebel'sWarWithAmerica.com. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. By all means, go to Jezebel'sWarWithAmerica.com. By all means. Pre-order the book comes out August 6th, so that's just a couple weeks off. It's already been a bestseller on three different categories on Amazon. Seems to be tremendous interest in the book before its release. And and part of the spirit of Jezebel is the baby-killing spirit. Friends, we open it up. We compare baby-killing in today's culture, even justification of infanticide, late-term abortion, partial birth abortion, these horrific procedures, and and all abortions being horrific in themselves. But we lay that out. We compare it to what the ceremonies look like in the ancient world, baby killing. Friends, it's urgent we understand the spiritual battle we're in. So when you order online, wherever you normally order, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Christian Book, whatever it is, go to Jezebel'sWarWithAmerica.com. Start there, all right? Click, there's a link to pre-order. And then when you do, you'll immediately get the first three chapters sent you via PDF. So you can start reading immediately. You will also get the ebook free on the day of release. And the ebook to my book, Playing with Holy Fire, which is a wake-up call to the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, you'll get that free upon pre-order. And another mini book, free. And two other videos, free. 
uh, I've said this repeatedly, but when the publisher told me what they wanted to do to get this book, out, I, w- I was shocked by how much free material they're giving away. Yeah, a lot of it's mine free, but I'm glad to get it in your hands. I- I'm thrilled to get it in your hands. So go right now if you haven't, Jezebel's War with America.com. Why not order multiple copies for friends? Get a copy for your pastor and leaders as well. Uh, we go to Spokane, Washington. Ken, welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Hey, listen, I, I, a member of my church today, I, I'm, I'm a pastor in Spokane. I'm Pastor Ken Peters, and a member of my church today, this morning, sent me a YouTube of you on Sid Rosho talking about the spirit of Jezebel, and I couldn't stop watching. And then I came up to my house from the river and just saw your little post that you're talking about the spirit of Planned Parenthood. And so I want to thank you, first of all, make this comment that I think you're spot on. I think this is a great discerning of spirits uh, that's going for our country and for our churches. Um, but I also want to let you know what we're doing as a church here in Spokane to meet with Jezebel and Ahab on Mount Carmel. We started a church at Planned Parenthood right there on the grass, right beside Planned Parenthood. Okay, we, we tweeted each other about this, didn't we? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, you All right. I, someday you'd like to talk to me about it. Well, I'm thrilled that you called in. All right, so, so folks, so you understand what Pastor Ken is saying. They actually meet as a church, as a congregation, and, and worship and have a service across from Planned Parenthood in their city. So, yeah, tell us exactly what you do and then the fruit you've seen and the resistance you've experienced. Yes, Dr. Brown, what we do is we're literally on the grass right next to Planned Parenthood at city property so we can meet there. And wow. we began this church meeting. It's just a worship service because Christians don't want to be mean and vitriol and nasty, but, but we also got to do something. You know, when the, when, when the enemy comes yeah. in like a flood, we've got to raise up a standard against it. So w- what we thought is, why don't we take worship and prayer and the Word of God and just take that to Mount Carmel right there at Planned Parenthood and confront Jezebel, and let's just call on God to send down fire. And I'm telling you, Dr. Brown, the results have been incredible. This has touched the sweet spot in the Church of wow. Jesus Christ, and, and we had over 550 people in May for our last service, or two services ago, over 550 people from 15 to 20 different churches Every news channel has on as the lead story. We had 12 policemen there, protesters across the street. And it, Dr. Brown, it felt like revival. And someday I'll yeah. want you to come and speak for it. Are you kidding me, man? I, I would be there in a heartbeat, even across the country. I, I just found your link, and we're going to post it so everyone that's watching uh, will be able to see this. But this is an amazing picture. There's the Planned Parenthood building on your right. There's a picture of you from behind, and there you have the hundreds of people, hands raised, worshiping the Lord. And look, ultimately, this is a spiritual battle. And ultimately, the only way we're going to win this is spiritually. Of course, we work with the courts. Of course, we pray for elected officials. Of of course, we get involved in whatever kind of pro-life activities we can. But boy, this is is amazing uh, to look at. And I'm thrilled to hear from you personally. How is it that people are coming out? 
I know friends that have been involved in pro-life work for decades, and they're faithfully in front of abortion clinics, sharing the gospel, offering women a better way. But it's very, very difficult to get people involved with something like this. How is it that so many have come and been drawn to get involved? Well, we're, we're good at doing church, Dr. Brown. We're good at praise and worship in America. We're good at, we have the greatest preachers, I think, in the world in America. We're good at praying, and we're a generous people. We love to give. So we're taking those four things, those aspects, and we're saying, hey, let's take what we do within our four church walls. The Bible says to not put a bushel on our light, and I wonder if some of our church buildings have become a bushel. So to take the light out, and so what we've done is we've taken church, what we do on Sunday morning, and we said, let's take it right there to the gates of hell, because the Bible promises that, that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but the gates are defensive. So what we're doing is we're knocking on the gates, and we're saying, hey, we can do church. We're really good at doing church. Now let's take church to the dark places. And you know what? People are jumping on this. People love worship. People love church. And to get 550 Christians, church people that are typically scared, to get on the grass of Planned Parenthood, get them out there calling on God, praying we give to, to women in crisis type of ministries. I'm telling you, Dr. Brown, something is going on here in Spokane, Washington. Yeah, there, there is absolutely no question about it. Ken, years back when I was involved in an Operation Rescue event right outside of Washington, D.C., the event was over quickly. We were all arrested pretty quickly, booked for a little while, then, then sent home. So if you had a few hundred people involved, we were there and gone, and the abortion clinic went on with its business. But I realized that for the people involved, it, it brought about a prophetic awakening. It brought about a stirring. You recognize what was at stake. You recognize the spiritual battle. You recognized how evil wanted to destroy. And, and the same way what you're doing, it, it brings a spiritual awakening. You get believers out on the, on the front lines, and it cultivates a spirit of love and brokenness and compassion. I'm sure people don't leave your service full of hatred and, and, and cussing people out and speaking in the ugliest terms. I'm sure they leave with, with broken hearts and burdens and, and faith. So what, what, what have you seen with opposition, and have you heard any testimony of any fruits so far from the other side? We've heard a lot of testimonies, and the biggest testimony is just that the church is awakening, the whole town is watching, in fact, the whole country, it, it, quite frankly, is watching. People have heard about this all over, so it's a phenomenon. So we've heard great fruit, uh, lives even saved, uh, mothers uh, giving their kids up for adoptions for the fruit has been fantastic, and the thing is, is it eliminates the vitriol and the anger and anything like that, and it's recognizing that this is a spiritual war, and so we're, we're dealing in the heavenlies, we're dealing with, with uh, uh, spirits instead of in the flesh, and that's, that's what I think is making it such a phenomenon and people are getting so excited about. Yeah, and, and Ken, one other thing to think about is that a lot of women going to have abortions are conflicted. You have the militant shout your abortion types. Even some of them may be conflicted. But many others are, are in agony. They're struggling. They don't know what to do. They have a faith background or, or a consciousness of God. And when they pull up or th- just think about it, and there are hundreds of per- people worshiping Jesus and singing praises to the Lord, just that is going to have a massive effect on them. And then what's happening in the spiritual realm as the Lord's being exalted and the Holy Spirit's moving. Hey, hey, listen, Ken, stay on the line. 
uh, our call screener is going to get your contact information and send it to my assistant, Dylan. And then we want to reach out to you and find out what we can do to help put down the spirit of Jezebel in your city and see Jesus exalted. I just want to pray with you now. Lord, I thank you for Ken. Thank you. I thank you for those that are working with him. I pray, oh God, that you would continue to take ownership of this, that this won't be owned by a ministry or an organization, but that you would keep it safe from human manipulation or or being used for the goals of others, that Jesus would be exalted, and that that building would be used as a church and ministry building in days ahead, that it would turn from Planned Parenthood to an outreach place for the gospel to help the hurting and the poor and the needy. May Jesus be mightily exalted. Bring down the spirit of Jezebel, I pray, in the city of Spokane, Washington. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stay right there, all right? And we will get your contact info. And Dylan, my assistant, will be reaching out to you directly. Thanks so much, man. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Brown. All right, God bless. We will be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a fascinating headline. I was just sent Students for Life of America. Only 7% of millennials agree with the Democratic Party on abortion. Isn't that interesting? This is Michael Brown. This is the line of fire. 866 866- Three four eight seven eight eight four. We've opened up the phone lines for any subject you want to discuss with me. And I tweeted out earlier a personal invite to critics, mockers, skeptics, dissenters. And of course, not surprisingly, not a one has called so far. You said, well, why would they want to call you? People who differ with you don't follow you. Oh, to the contrary. We hear from them day and night on social media. Vicious comments, ugly comments, defaming comments, slanderous comments, libelous comments, mocking comments, idiotic comments, everything imaginable from every angle. And unless it crosses a certain line, we we allow it to be posted on our social media. Let people say what they want to say. All right. And we'd say, hey, if you've got an issue, call. If, If you've got a viewpoint you want to put forward, call. And the silence is deafening. Because, see, here we can go back and forth. Here I can say, well, well, give me support for your position. Here I can say, well, if you're speaking accurately, then let's look at some examples. Somebody accused me of something the other day and said, you know, I respect Dr. Brown in the past, but no longer because of X, Y, Z. And I, I saw it and it caught my attention. Again, vast majority of, of comments that come in I don't see or if I see I can't respond to but I decided, I said, hey, God bless, man. Thanks so much for writing. Could you give me an example of where I'm guilty of what you say? Next thing, saw the comment removed. Isn't that interesting? Now, that, to me, spoke of integrity, hopefully. Uh, somebody else sent me an article, and the article was attacking me about a position that basically I don't hold. And then I said to the person, unfortunately, you were misled by, by the article. And then when I clicked, I thought, oh, you wrote the article. And I said, hey, little integrity and humility. If you're going to write something false, at least own up to it. At least recognize that you posted a misleading headline that gave a false impression about what I believe. 
why in the world would you want to build your, your website or your, your followers by, by speaking falsely about somebody else? Anyway, that's why we open the phones. It's not just for your questions and comics, uh, comics, comments, but for the critics to call in and differ as well. Very, very few do. Well, Dr. Brown, you see, the reason is you've got people who are heavyweights, they're academics, they're solid and, and they're not going to call into your show where you control the mic. Great. Then let's have a public moderated debate. Any issue where I have expertise, let's have a public moderated debate, an academic debate. I, I'm not going to do a debate with anyone if they're not qualified. Why? It's, it's a waste of everyone's time. All right. It, it would be, again, to use an analogy, like putting me in a, in a boxing ring with with a world heavyweight class boxer. The fact that they would knock me out with the first blow and that I'd be lucky to physically survive, you know, the blow could even kill me. What does it prove about them? Nothing. And, and for, for all the, that person's detractors, what does it prove? Nothing. Because I'm 64 years old and I'm in good shape. I'm not a boxer. I've never been a boxer. I'm certainly not a heavyweight boxer. I'm certainly not in any kind of boxer. You could get a, a, an elite boxer at 110 pounds, you know, and, and four foot eight, and they'd wipe me out in a matter of seconds. What does it prove? Nothing. So if somebody with no background, with no expertise, wants to represent a certain community, and it's like a steamroller versus a mouse and me debating them, then what does it prove? So fine, I completely demolish their position, but it's not fair to that side. What does it prove? So... Those that say, well, I want an equal time debate, if you're qualified, in other words, if you are a recognized representative of your position in your community and you are qualified, the, the people know who you are and they say, yeah, she's a spokesman for me. He's a spokesman for me. Then I'd gladly do a debate if we can find the time to do it joyfully. And these days, you know, on Internet, we can be in different parts of the world and schedule a debate without either of us having to leave our homes. I love truth. I'm committed to truth. That's what I stand for. That's what I live for. By God's grace, that's what I'll die for. So let's put truth on the table. One of the principles of having the light is that you, when you walk in the truth, excuse me, is that you bring things into the light. Isn't that what it says in John 3? That, that those who are of the truth come into the light, that their deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You remember when you were a little kid, all right, you're a little kid, and, and your, your mother says, did you eat the cookies? I told you not to eat them before dinner. Did you eat the cookies? You don't believe me. You're always accusing me. That means you ate the cookies. If you didn't eat the cookies, like, no, I didn't eat. No, of course not. Here, check my hands. Check, check my teeth. Check my breasts. No, I didn't eat the cookies at all. Absolutely not. When you're clean, you come right out into the light. You got nothing to fear. Mike Brown, we're going to do an investigation of your ministry. Dude, great. Bring it on. Wonderful. We got nothing to hide. We're going to look at your finances. Beautiful. Hopefully it'll get us more donors and more support because we walk and live in integrity. So that's my issue, friends. Just speak in my heart as you are used to me doing on the show. Just speaking my heart, sharing with you Honestly, 866-348-7884. That being said, you can, you can just say, hey, Dr. Brown, I'm not going to be able to debate you. 
Uh, Mike, I, I just want you to know why I differ with you. That's perfectly fine. You don't have to be able to win a debate with me. I still welcome your call. And maybe when you call, something good will come out of it. I had some really interesting interaction, and I'm going to get back to the Students for Life in, in a moment, all right? I'm going to get back to that. But I had some really interesting interaction with a couple of folks on Twitter over the weekend who differed with my assessment of President Trump's tweets last week. No doubt about it, the tweets have led to racist expressions, No doubt about it, as I said then, I didn't like the tweets. I didn't like the chant at his rally. I didn't like any of that. I was on the phone actually with a black leader today, doing a Skype interview earlier with a black leader today, and he was absolutely standing up for the president and saying he's not a racist. He's telling people, if you don't like our country, go back to where you came from. A president, that's good for a president to say that. And I said, right, here's where I differ, why I think there are better ways to say things. If you... If you, for, for example, I said, I don't like him calling uh, Omarosa, who worked in the White House and she wrote a book, attacking him, calling her a dog. And he said, well, she was. You know, she acted like a dog and he was defending it. And I said, no, I don't agree with that. Better to say it's really heartbreaking to see someone you, I opened my heart to, open the White House to, and see them now turn and betray me for a profit. That's, that's heartbreaking. I would have expected better from her. Now... Instead of you looking like the bad guy for calling her a dog, people could say, if, if what I'm presenting is accurate, well, that's a real shame. Now you, you sympathize with the president and you're on the side of truth and righteousness and so on. And so anyway, we were discussing that. But I had some interaction with folks who differ with me on Twitter. And, and they were giving all their reasons why his tweets were racist. OK, it just so happened the, the main one or two I was interacting with were, were black Americans, all right? And we were going back and forth, and I said, all right, for everything you post over here, I've got the opposite perspective there. And maybe you have a blind spot. Hey, I welcome the fact that I could have a blind spot. Maybe you have a blind spot, all right? And we went back and forth, and at the end of it, this brother said, you know, I, I'm burdened to pray and fast more for the president because he really felt he's guilty, but he thanked me for the interaction. I said, hey, man, nothing you said fell, fell on deaf ears. I differed with you, but I listened. I listened. I listened, and I tried to learn. So if, if we'll commit to do that, boy, that's healthy interaction. All right, you sit down with someone, and please do this. I've, I've urged this for years, whether it's political issues or race issues or spiritual issues or whatever, the hot-button divisive issues in our society. If you have a coworker, a family member, a, a parishioner in your congregation, so, someone who differs with you and you know you differ with them strongly on these volatile issues, sit down with them when you both have time and say, hey, I want to understand you. I, I am so far on the other side of this issue and I feel so passionately about it. I honestly don't understand how you can justify your position, but I want to understand. I want to understand. Could you explain it to me? And as they're explaining, don't argue with it. Listen. And then hopefully they'll say to you, hopefully they'll say to you, well, what's your perspective? Give, it, give us your perspective. On the, tell me why you feel the way you do. Hopefully they'll ask that. If not, you can say, hey, can I, can I ask you a few questions to probe here? And if they say yet, yeah, then you ask. And at the very least, 
even if you don't agree, you have better understanding. And maybe when they share what they share, it will deepen your convictions. It will, it will sharpen your convictions. Or maybe when they share what they do, it'll realize, okay, I need to change my approach in speaking this. Because when I say A, they're hearing B. But if I say it like this, they'll hear what I want them to hear. Or, ah, because they think like this, I'm going to need to restructure my argument. Or maybe they're right and you're wrong. And when you listen and interact, think, okay, you convinced me. Or at least you got me thinking. That's what we need to do. Here, can we agree on whoever is most at fault for stirring up racial tension in America, be it the left, be it the right, be it the so-called squad, be it the president, be it President Obama, be it Republic, whoever, whoever. Can we agree that we as followers of Jesus are called to display unity in the spirit? Can we agree that we as followers of Jesus should be known for justice, should be known for compassion, should be known for standing up for those that don't have others to stand up for them? Should we be known for that? The answer is obviously yes. So what can we do to live this out in our communities, in our homes, in our places of business, in our congregations, in social media? What can we do to demonstrate Christ-like attitudes towards these divisive issues. And rather than pushing the world away, we draw the world in because we are of a different spirit. doesn't mean we avoid controversy. I don't think an hour goes by in my life where I don't avoid controversy. But we can avoid approaching things the way the world does. All right, a few more comments on millennials and abortion, and then your calls, 866-348-348. 7884. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Just just looking at this headline, American Library Association pushes drag queen story times nationwide. Yep. This is what we're dealing with today, friends. This is why we keep talking about the spirit of Jezebel. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. All right, so... We did a little rant earlier in the broadcast about Planned Parenthood. I have an article that will be coming out tomorrow about Planned Parenthood, racism, and bloodthirsty attitudes. But striking here, according to Students for Life, 7 of 10 millennials support limits on abortion through specific policies like parental notification, limiting abortions later in pregnancy, like at five months of pregnancy, and opposition to government funding of abortion. Only 7% shared the position of the Democratic Party platform, abortion without any exceptions and funded by tax dollars. More millennials than not support Roe's reversal, reversal of Roe v. Wade. Asked directly about support for overturning Roe and returning abortion to the states, 41% supported Roe's reversal. 65% of millennials support the right to vote on abortion-related policy and want a voice 
on abortion policy. Very, very interesting indeed. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go over to Greensboro, North Carolina. Darwin, welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Mr. Uh, Brown. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for taking my call. And basically, I would like to uh, uh, share my opinion about the President Trump. I support the President 100%. And the context that he said, uh, go back to your country, is not in a racist context. I've been called before like that. Hey, go back to your country. Just because the way I look, the way I sound. And, and, and Darwin, just to jump in, where... Uh, where are you from originally? You or your parents? Uh, uh, I'm from Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Uh, okay, so you're Jersey. Hispanic, a yeah. little dark, darker skin, then, right? Uh, no, no, I, I'm actually not light skin, you know, but I'm not a tall guy. I'm not just fighting. Got so it. You, ha- you have an accent, though, right? Uh, so you, you've been told go back to your country. You, you've been you've experienced it, racist comments. Exactly. It's just the way. The, the concert that I was for, that was racist. Uh, and the president reference is not racist. It's just the way she behaves, the way she talks. It's like yeah. if you have a, if I have a family member in my house and say, this horrible discussion, that's the way you go. You know? So that's not racist. The president reference is not racist. This is right. a lady that's complaining. It, everything is bad. So when she says, you don't like it, you know what to do. So that's not, in that context, that's not racist. The president is not racist at all. And now, now why, why do you say? Out, yeah, why do you say? Why do you say he's not racist at all? In your opinion? Well, you know, the president has you know people different ethnicity working with him. They have you know blacks, they got Latinos, they got you know ladies. So there's no race in the president. I don't believe it at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm from up north, New Jersey, so it's a mm-hmm. liberal state. Yeah, so, and so, but but I don't believe that, you know. And I just want to share my opinion. I know what a racist. They the the context of the statement is not racist, and I believe the president, you know, is now. Yep, got it. Hey, Darwin, I I appreciate you you calling in, especially because you've been affected by racism. You've had people not treat you well because of your accent, because you you come from another country, so. It makes your perspective all the more interesting to me. So, uh, from uh, and thank you, sir, for calling. I appreciate it. So, again, I didn't like the tweet from the president. I felt there are far better ways. Now, again, he he became the president, not me. Listening to my advice did not make him president. Not listening to my advice, he became president. All right? So I understand that. But I'm saying, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I, I didn't like the tweets. You should leave as quickly as possible, etc. But as I explained... I didn't find them racist because, look, there's no question whatsoever. If Ilhan Omar was, was a white woman who came from Germany to America and she made those statements, I don't think he would have hesitated to say, go back to your country, fix their problems. You're dealing with immigration problems there. Fix those problems, then come back here and tell us how to do it. And conversely, if Ilhan Omar was an enthusiastic supporter of Trump, I, I think he'd be saying we need more people like you to come from other countries and come into our country. In other words, the issue to him was patriotism, and the issue to him was how you feel about him. I, I, here, President Trump is self-evidently 
a man that cares a lot about his name and his image, right? More than most. Okay, most of us don't have things named after us and from Trump Towers to now, whatever. Okay, so we understand he has done a a masterful job of marketing himself and marketing his name and marketing his brand for decades now to the point of becoming president. At the same time, I believe he genuinely cares about America and friends of mine who are on his faith council have told me how deeply concerned he is about the plight of minorities in America, about the situation in inner cities, how upset he is about the way things have gone on Democrats and how he's committed to bring about change, which is why Dr. Ben Carson came on the air to say his policies are the opposite of racist because he's helping these very people that he's accused of having racist feelings towards. Now, to me, the way he looks at someone is not by their skin color or their ethnicity. To me, the way he looks at someone is, how do you feel about me? That's my understanding and perception. So if it's a Kanye West and he's pro-Trump, that's a good guy, even though he's black. Forget even though, doesn't matter. He's a good guy. Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, they're anti-Trump. Doesn't matter that they're white or male or female. They're bad. That's how I see him evaluating things. Look, that's how I evaluate things based on a kingdom level, meaning if you're, if you're pro-life, you're on the right side. The last thing I'm thinking is skin color or anything else, although if you're from a group that has not been involved in the pro-life movement, you get involved, that's wonderful. I see that. I appreciate it. And on the flip side, on the flip side, if you are on the pro-abortion side, You think if I see the person as white, that I look at them any differently? That I looked at Cecile Richards and said, oh, well, she's white. What? What? You see right and wrong, not white and black. All right? And that's that's how we have to live this out. What's right? What's wrong? And I understand that my own upbringing, born in New York City, raised in suburbs of Long Island, white, American background, etc., middle class, I understand that I have blind spots because of that. But then someone else raised inner city minority, they have blind spots. We all have blind spots, which is why we sit down and talk and learn from each other. Make sense? 866-34-TRUTH. We go over to Sherry. Welcome to the line of fire. Thanks for calling. Time is short, so dive right in. Okay. Well, I, as I mentioned to the person taking the calls, I'm really concerned about what will happen to the Jewish people during the time of law and even during the time when Jesus um, had his battles with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they above all knew who he was. They knew in their hearts, but... Yeah. They misled all those people. What happens to them? Well, certainly those who knew and misled others have greater judgment, which is why, Sherry, that Jesus renounced them in such strong terms in Matthew 23 and other passages and called them snakes and vipers because they sin with their eyes wide open. There are others, say among the Pharisees, like Joseph of Arimathea, and apparently thousands that became followers of Yeshua in the book of Acts, including Saul of Tarsus, also known as Paul. 
So many Pharisees did repent, did follow, and, and others didn't agree with the rejection of Jesus from the start. There are friendly Pharisees who are mentioned in, in the Gospels, for example, Luke chapter 12. So you can't paint with a, a broad brush and say all Pharisees, the leaders that sin with their eyes wide open are more punishable, more accountable. Amos 3.1, God says to Israel, you only have I known out of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for your iniquities. And we know that in Romans 3, Paul says, what advantage there then is there in being a Jew? What advantage is circumcision? He said, much in every way because the oracles of God were committed to them. And that's why Paul says in Romans 2, I think verses 5 through 11, that there will be greater judgment on the Jew first and then the Gentile, and then greater judgment, or excuse me, greater blessing on the Jew first than the Gentile. So it boils down to this, to whom much is given, much is required. On the flip side, through church history, the church has often obscured the Jewish Jesus. Through church history, the church has often pushed Jewish people away rather than drew them in and has persecuted Jews in Jesus' name so that Many Jews, most Jews, don't really know who Jesus really was. So the thing to do, Sherry, with this very real and important burden that you have is to pray that God would open up the hearts of Jewish people to show them who Jesus really is. And then then God would give a spirit of repentance so that they would truly put their trust in him and believe in him as Savior and Messiah and Lord. We know that God gave the law to Israel and that brought great judgment on us. Again, to whom much is given, much is required. So your prayers for the salvation of the Jewish people are much appreciated. Remember, friends, only a few more days to pre-order Jezebel's War with America. Go to Jezebel'sWarWithAmerica.com to take advantage of the special pre-order bonus. Back to you. 